0: Welcome to Plant Medicine Transmissions with Javier Regueiro. Welcome everybody. Thank you for taking the time of your busy schedules. A couple of Uh, important warnings, disclaimers. If you are very sensitive to the B word, the C word, the XYZ word, I understand, but I am not about to sanitize my language. Know that if I use those words it is with respect and with love, okay? So if you're very sensitive, I invite you to leave. Also, if one of your favorite pastimes of late is the appropriation-blaming game, which I am not very interested in, I see, I see the importance, but I'm not interested in uh, one-sided controversies. Also, please leave, okay? I invite you, I invite you to breathe, I invite you to let my words reach you deeper, resonate with your being, rather than staying there and checking every word, making sure that it's kosher, Uh, that it's politically correct. Okay. My name is Javier Regueiro. I am a plant medicine person and I've been living here since 2006 to conduct primarily my work with plant medicines. I'm also the author of a couple of books, one on ayahuasca and one on San Pedro. So some of you may have wondered how a biological male has the balls to speak about healing the wounded feminine. I am one of the ways to describe who I am and that's just a label and a label is never the real thing I never take labels seriously but in North America among Native American Indians I would be called a two-spirit person or a birdash someone with a very strong both male and female energy so it turns out that uh, some years ago I went to my first uh, ghost dance in Southern Oregon a ghost dance run by a Shoshone Two-Spirit person who would be most proud to call me both a brother and a sister. So I don't use these words lightly but also you know they're just labels. During that first ghost dance at the end of the ceremony after four days I had the not so pleasant realization that most of my soul wounds I had to heal not only from my masculine side but also from my feminine side therefore starting a whole process that process culminated during a very recent diet in the jungle under the guidance of my teacher and I will be sharing uh, a couple of experiences uh, from that dieta particularly a San Pedro ceremony I did by myself on full moon night and uh, my last ceremony that I did here by the fire at night See, I went into uh, the jungle, among other things, wanting to learn from the moon. So I started my first ceremony on New Moon Night, and I closed my process on a New Moon Night. So I'll be sharing a couple of stories from that. It has been challenging because I left the jungle with a lot of medicine, and the medicine is begging me to be shared with the world. So actually my last San Pedro ceremony here two weeks ago, soon enough in the ceremony, I was like, oh, I need to give a talk at Nidrawasi. And it just wouldn't let me go. so I do believe that at this point in history the most relevant meaningful process anybody can engage with is in uh, healing the feminine in whatever ways for years I've been actively supporting women and a few men in this very important process that extends also to uh, supporting the healing of the earth, because there is no difference between the earth and the feminine. We have just uh, completed a, a very important cosmic cycle known as the Kali-Yuga. And um, the Kali-Yuga basically was about 5,000 years and some period of disintegration, distortion, destruction and general collective amnesia. So the first thing I want to share with you is an insight I received two weeks ago that made me chuckle and laugh. By the way, everything I say is just my viewpoint. It's not written in stone. Take it or leave it, it's fine. So I explored this theme of the Kali Yuga for about... A year, and a, a year and a half it was very challenging because I mean, you know the last few thousand years have been less than rosy uh, I feel very complete thank God with that process basically so this is, this is a, a concept of the Rishi of the Himalaya ancient ancestral wisdom And basically, it's four yugas that basically are like the four seasons. And finally, I got that, even though I've never particularly liked winter until I moved here, that winter is vital to the process of creation. The process of creation entails Birth, growth, decay, and death, so that it can start again. And uh, so, two weeks ago, I realized that basically everything that's come out. And by the way, we never, we never take out the baby with the bath water. Okay, at times, I make gross generalizations hoping to drive my point. There's good in everything. Okay, But I realized that all philosophical systems, religions, by the way, before the Kali Yuga, there was no such thing as religion. There was no such thing as organized religion. Uh, we had cults. We had cults that we would engage in at specific moon times or sun times but basically that everything that's been coming out for the last five thousand years at best is mediocre at worst is just garbage what we have seen in the last 5,000 years is the rise of man-led spiritual, philosophical processes and religions we have seen the birth of religions of the word of the book and these are the products of male functioning, and what men keep forgetting is that the map is not the territory. Men keep trying to come up with a theory of everything so that they can go like, and so that that way is a way to deal with the deep insecurity of life the fact that life is unpredictable even though life is extremely intelligent so I'm gonna make an illustration of my viewpoint so I'm in ceremony two weeks ago and I see young prince forgot his name who was later known in the world to become Gautama Buddha. Basically, a spoiled prince who never left his home, sheltered. And he goes out of the house, and within 24 hours, he comes up with the first noble truth known as Life is Suffering and proceeds to want to do whatever he can to help people deal with that suffering. I look at it and first of all, you know, only an inflated male ego could go like, I'm gonna save the world. Second, I had to laugh because the statement that claims to be a noble truth, life is suffering, is the most superficial statement about life that I've ever heard. And guess what? We keep hitting that same song, monotheistic religions, offer us, promise us, uh, a way out of this predicament. Uh, And basically, we transform, despite our best intentions, whatever process we engage in, into yet another religion. Religion meaning, according to Karl Marx, the opium of the people. A way not to feel and to distance oneself from life. Lord Buddha spoke at great length over and over again about the impermanence of life. Life is not impermanent. Life is cyclical. And you as women should know better than anybody else. So my, my invitation to you all, you know, we can only know ourselves and we can only learn from somebody who has gone through our same predicament. So my invitation to you is to drop your male teachers, drop your male authors dropped we've been knocking at that door long enough and in that we've been further and further rejecting our female energy by espousing a man's philosophy and viewpoint if you want to stay with your teacher which you're more than welcome to i invite you to sit down with them with a cup of tea and ask them a few questions. How do you feel about a woman menstruating, bleeding, in your rituals and ceremonies? How do you feel about gay men engaging in anal sex? That usually gets a fairly good response. (laughs) You know, if And just ask whatever question to see how women positive that teacher really is. Basically, all these philosophies and religions in the last 5,000 years are not life-affirming. And we see the effects of that on every level of this reality. So, we want... To make a change, pick your teachers, look for female teachers or someone like me, someone with an experience of the challenges of being a woman at this point in history. If you decide to leave your teacher, your religion, and you have a strong need for engaging in ritual, in ceremony, create your own. Create your own and make sure that there's lots of dancing down here in your pelvis and that there's fun in it. Because that, those religions, you know, just with a frown, They are missing the point. Life is suffering is a very superficial statement. A deeper reality is that life is what we make it. We create, co-create life, our lives, the lives of those around us. All the time. We are creative beings. Powerfully creative beings. Now, in this Kali Yuga, the biggest amnesia that I can see today was women forgetting about their true power. Women giving their power away and then going into some kind of amnesia and, uh, and go like, I didn't give away my power. It was taken away from me. I, I swear. <laughs> so first of all, and Tibetan monks who've spent many, many years in Chinese jails will attest of that, no one, can take your power away from you. Now, of course, female energy is the most intense energy in this universe. So, it's understandable that sometimes you just want to not feel that power that much. And give it away. What happens is we create ourselves as victims. When I speak in the we, I refer to myself as a woman. And you as women. Please humor me. The victim game is the most popular game on this planet. So as we are all involved in healing the wounded feminine each one holding our unique piece both individually and collectively it's important to go in and look at that victim self I have worked with my victim identity for 25 years It's a stubborn one. Mm -hmm. Finally, I feel that I got it just a couple of weeks ago. Inviting, inviting all of my feminine selves to sit around the fire pit. And then when everybody was comfortable, inviting the special guest for the evening. My victim self when we assert power, when we are a little bit too aggressive in wanting ourselves and the whole world to believe that we are powerful instead of victims, we're not quite there yet. In order to truly step into our power, and our power has nothing to do with that joke of male power. Male power is a way to cover up men's deep, deep insecurity and fear because men know that we're not as strong as you are. We don't have nearly the same tolerance for pain for sacrifice as women do. And instead of being honest about it, men created this whole mystique powerful governments, uh, monuments to their own egos and whatnot uh, to make up for their insecurity. So, it's important as far as I'm concerned, if you are truly interested in stepping into your power or allowing the power that lies within you to resurface fully, to explore that victim identity and not be too superficial about it. Like, oh, I threw up that in ayahuasca, I'm done. Yeah, right. Good for you. 25 years I I work with this. Hopefully, your process will not be nearly as long. So, we give our power away. And one way to give our power away is to indulge in the blaming game my experience is somebody else's fault and i got nothing to do with it now mind you as as we come out of thousands of years of being all meek and silent and you know cooking beautiful muffins for our communities what it's important, it's important that victim identity that is screaming out each and every way at this point of, you know, finally calling out the crimes, so to speak, and blaming, pointing the finger, being upset, finally. All of this is part of the process but it's very important not to indulge too much in that guilty pleasure now allow it to unfold for as long as it needs scream out for as long as you need we're talking about thousands of years of silence So, you know, you have full permission to take your time. But in that realize, remember, that uh, that is not the whole enchilada. It's just a phase, a very important phase, but just a phase. So, in this current process of Calling out the, so to speak, crimes, expressing our anger at long last, and you know, it's, it's, it feels so good, finally. And people risk staying stuck there. Okay, part of the journey. So, I want to share with you something that happened to me two weeks ago in ceremony. Pretty early on in the ceremony, I looked at the ways in which us women hurt each other. It's not just men that hurt us. We hurt one another. We judge each other. We place snide remarks, either in public or in private. And in doing that, we hurt ourselves. We stab ourselves and everybody else around us. So, I want you to take a moment, close your eyes. We won't be going too deep in this process, but close your eyes and bring in the image of the woman that you've held the most judgment against over the last few years. The one woman that, despite your best intentions, you know, you just, you know, she's just that way. Breathe. Look at the judgments that you've held against this woman. those judgments the image you created of this woman is really just your own shadow a very accurate reflection of your shadow that part of you part of us that we find just unbearable own, to take responsibility for, so we project it out into the world and get away with it. Breathe. So, I invite you to take a good, good mental note of this person, of your creation of this person, because it turns out that our own projections even though oftentimes they're very accurate, uh, really have nothing to do with the person itself. Because it turns out, judgments fail to honor the totality of who we are as human beings. So it's just an image. And as an image, is very powerful because when we look at it, We can see our own reflection. So take a good mental note of who this person is. And you know, you take it with you and you keep exploring that projection, those judgments in whichever way you prefer. I bring up the way that we hurt ourselves and each other by judging each other and this and that because we have a tendency to polarize ourselves to take one stand uh, on either side of the fence usually the position that we find most comfortable and there's no nothing more comfortable than the victim side. So I bring this up because that may help you in understanding that this is not just a male thing to want to hurt women to want to control them but that we do that ourselves. In these last uh, 5,000 years of Kali Yuga, we have increasingly rejected life. Life as it expresses itself on this planet. We have espoused belief systems and religions to take us somewhere else instead of Embracing this beautiful experience of life, of Incarnation and with it learn the important lessons that this experience has to offer us. Most people, they just go into La La Land, whether it's Buddhist, Christian, whatever. Anything but here and now. So, this process of rejection of life, of rejection of feminine energy within and without ourselves, extends on every level of our experience. At some point, after inviting my victim self, my feminine victim self, and doing some processes with her and looking at my own projections of other women. I took a lot of courage and I went a notch deeper within myself to find out that one way or another I held also a deep hatred for the woman inside of me. It was a moment of a lot of honesty and vulnerability. You know, every time, every time we resent our experience as women, that's a sign of that hatred. We're not aware of the extent of it because oftentimes we uh, quickly put that experience into a theory thus avoiding the experience itself. As we embrace more and more our feminine selves on every level and we let go of our judgments that oftentimes are beautifully voiced, reflected, mirrored by society at large but they're really reflections you know, that misogyny, that deep fear of the feminine that society mirrors back to us is our own as well. It's not, I don't feel this way because somebody put that in me. That would be very superficial and it would keep us in a place of disempowerment. So as we embrace ourselves more and more and learn Learn with humility, with patience, to love ourselves as women, to love other women as women. It's important also to explore the shadow side of that, that possibly self hatred, deep judgment, resentment, whatever you. Mm -hmm. so that we do a job well done. We have a lot to do. And skipping or going through the motions does not work anymore. This is our life. This is the well-being of the entire planet that we're talking about. I want to talk a little bit more about The male predicament. In a male-oriented belief system, one has absolute power over something or someone if they can kill it. Figure that. Only man could come up with such (laughs) shit. So men have a deep desire because that's how they function of wanting to understand everything with the little brains. Luckily, you know, that endeavor is proving to be useless because a little brain, as smart as it may be, will never be able to embrace the totality of life. Life, the great mystery, is not something to be understood by feeble male minds. It's something to simply embrace and honor as gracefully as we can. But men are still at it because that's how they function. We're very much in our heads. That being in our heads is also a way to separate ourselves from life further. When we go into our heads and look at life and come up with smart theories about life, we are temporarily not connected with life. We're just standing outside looking in. This is as best as we can do, but it's clearly a very limiting approach. And for us to espouse that approach is very limiting of our own experience. Men have been always looking for absolutes. You know, a truth that is going to take us into eternity, as is. And that's going to save us from the the paradoxes of life, the fact that life is in constant (laughs) flux and change. But they keep at it, creating new theories, new holy truths, Two weeks ago, in my San Pedro ceremony, I realized, and I had to have a good chuckle about it, that everything is cyclical in this level of reality, including our thoughts, our beliefs. Thank God. There are many beliefs, many viewpoints from the past that nowadays we chuckle about it. And yet, the beliefs we hold in our consciousness are holy truth forever and ever. We take our beliefs and ourselves way too seriously when the reality is that In the best of cases, 500 years from now, people will laugh at us. So it's important not to take our thoughts, our beliefs, our viewpoints so seriously. Taking them seriously eventually turns them into dogma. And eventually it turns them into sterile. Viewpoint. You know, a viewpoint has its birth, excitement, growth, and then at some point it starts decaying. And before we know it, it's garbage. So, let's not fall into that trap created by man of absolute truths. There is no such thing. And whoever tells you that they know it, that they hold it, if you, if you spend the night with them or buy them dinner, they're willing to share it with you, they're swindling you. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, of course, men and women we are looking for those absolutes to help us navigate, to give us a north, a fixed north in this ever-changing reality. You know, life in this constant flux uh, can be overwhelming. You know, the the reality that we don't know shit that an hour from now is a great mystery and two hours from now is even a greater mystery is challenging to dance with but it's the only dance worth dancing because it turns out that we don't have to go to heaven, we don't have to get enlightened or experience nirvana. Life here is amazing. It's such a gift, a gift of beauty, of wisdom, of intelligence, of generosity. Everything, everything that is a mother's archetype is manifested in life. Another thing is that life, in its evolution on this planet, you know, at some point we started developing sexual organs. At some point, we developed the ability to experience orgasms. The plant world developed flowers, which is like the sexiest show on earth. So anybody who tells you to keep that energy, that sexual, that erotic energy, down think about it question it instead of taking it at face value instead of playing along once again pleasure is part of life the world as i experience is constantly making love to itself and making love to everybody here. Now it all depends on your ability and readiness to receive all those gifts. But it's there. It's there in every moment. So, you know, going around life with a frown on our face is an indication that we're missing the point. And in that, you know, erotic energy manifests itself in countless different ways. It's not just about sex, but to feel it, to welcome it, to be grateful for it, instead of wishing we were somewhere else. Because that attitude has brought us to where we are now, and it's a dire, dire situation. So the biggest insecurity of men is connected with their dicks. Basically, you know, women experience sexuality and pleasure, you know, on the inside. You don't need you don't need to have an erection. Now to actually have an erection when the time comes particularly uh, with a partner is such a source of deep deep anxiety you have no idea already dick size you know can be so traumatic for most men so it's it's an external thing for the whole world to see oh it's like this it's like this it's like this There's no hiding and there's no faking. That creates such a deep anxiety. You know, you want to be aware of that. We are, as men, deeply insecure. And what we do, we start performing. You know, it... Sex turns into a performance, and that performance is fraught with insecurity. Am I gonna get it? Am I gonna do it? Or am I gonna fail? You know, that f- fear of failure of men is ultimately just a fear of failing to get it hard at the right moment. They may tell you whatever story. But that's the bottom line. And that touches men very, very deeply, more than they are willing, or we are willing to acknowledge. So, in recent years, as women are increasingly waking up, what I see is an expectation that men start functioning like women. (laughs) It's a delusion. We are same same but totally totally different. You can see how our trying to be like men has been disastrous to expect men to start functioning like women is equally disastrous. Because you can't ask a strawberry to turn into a banana. We are different. We are complementary. Meaning that in that beautiful union that union is not about that superficial ideal of equality equality you know in in our laws in our businesses I find it very important and about the, you know the fucking time uh... but To expect men to function, to feel, to think, like women do, misses the point. It's about meeting, meeting ourselves as women, as we are, and meeting men as they are, and letting go of this expectation that... They understand us when we don't understand ourselves to begin with, in most cases. It's not their job. And they're really bad at it when they try it. When they try to, you know, keep a low profile, be more feminine. What you often end up is a watered down of male energy. So not very interesting I like I like a world where everybody is themselves because a soup with only onions gets tiring pretty quickly but a soup where all of us bring our own unique flavor and energy to it is more my cup of tea I wanted to share one more thing. This was from my San Pedro ceremony in the jungle, full moon a month ago, whatever. Pretty soon in the ceremony, I find myself in this never ending valley at night the valley is totally bare, it has like a grayish thing. Of course, you know, uh, for me it's just, it's not literal, it's just a symbol. But quickly I realized a few things. First, women feel deeply. Therefore, women suffer deeply and this valley that I found myself in that by the way was completely soundproofed you could make as much noise as you wanted nothing totally silent that that valley was the place where over millennia we women have gone to grieve, to suffer in silence. It was a very painful realization you know, that with, you know, without women, there would be no humanity. And actually uh, an important tribe in the Peruvian Amazon the Ashaninka believe that the first man on earth was actually a woman so we are thanks to the support of courageous brave women over the last 200 years We are coming out of that valley, of that silent closet, and I feel very blessed and very privileged to be part of this healing process, both individual and collective. Each one of us, it's important to do to do our own peace. Each one of us holds a unique piece of that healing process, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Well, I believe very much that we need to heal the divine feminine and heal the feminine within us, male and female, because it is just as you said, our relationship to the earth and all creation. And if we don't heal that we're doing what we're doing as humans and destroying the very yeah we live in. You know, there is no need to heal the Divine Feminine. Mm-hmm. The Divine Feminine is divine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, it's for us mm-hmm. to let go, to heal our own wounds so that we can embrace that divinity more and more. Divine family doesn't need healing. <laughs> but your mama doesn't need. <laughs> no, everything everything is happening for a purpose. Even you know this five thousand years. You know it was a necessary winter mm-hmm. with many important lessons. Mm-hmm. And, and <laughs> the more we embrace things as they are, instead of wishing they were otherwise, then we can learn more and more about them, from them. See. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what really stuck out to me was that, that bit that you had mentioned about viewpoint and not getting too stuck on the viewpoint so that it doesn't turn into dogma. I was hoping that you could um, elaborate that a bit more. Just more of like the personal awareness so that okay. oneself. Okay. Okay. So basically, we look at nature. Nature is our best teacher. Let's look at a tree. A tree begins its decaying process when it no longer succeeds in bringing lymph to the very top of the same tree. So what we see is that the tree starts drying up. And in that drying up there is a big weakness. Life, water, nutrients are no longer circulating where they ought to. They're no longer capable of sustaining the life of that tree. So, that brings about a rigidity until the tree falls dead. So, rigidity of any kind, including of our own beliefs and viewpoints, you know, at the beginning of this talk I said, you know, if it works for you, great. If not, just dismiss it. I don't don't have any expectations. I don't take my viewpoints so seriously. I always, on a regular basis, question their validity. And even the belief, the viewpoint that was most useful to us in the past at some point is only going to be garbage. No matter how holy, how dear that belief or viewpoint was. So, it's important You know, the energy of the mind has a tendency towards rigidity, towards wanting to create uh, schemes, theories, which is not life. So when we find ourselves squeezing our brains a little too much, you can trust that This is really not beneficial to you. You know, a lot of the beliefs that we have espoused, Buddhist, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, you know, we really struggle to understand. You know, it's very ironic that... Buddhism, which claims to support us in getting out of our minds, has created more spiritual literature than any other. Most of it, of course, is written by men. And sometimes we struggle. It's like, oh, that and that. Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's male mental masturbation <laughs> while your life is waiting for you outside you know with oxygen with beautiful nature with friends and no we, we spend our lives with our nose stuck in between the pages of a book I know I've done it myself Until I became aware of how poor that experience was. I was also under the impression that, you know, nothing was better than a book, than a theory, and... What it was is I was trying to keep a safe distance from life. Trying to figure it out instead of living it. Does that answer your question? Okay. See, Here we go. Um, You described yourself, Linda, you described yourself as both masculine and feminine. And you've talked a lot about the the, the power, empowerment of men, and the self-importance, and the dogma, and the rigidity of, <coughs> you know, that Speak a little louder, so that everybody can hear you. Okay, I'm oh, sorry. Um, you you spoke about how you, you feel that you are both masculine and feminine, and you embrace both sides. So, my question is, um, having explained your masculine side, or explained the masculine experience to dominate, to conquer, to be number one. Um, how, do you, how does your masculine side interact with your feminine side? Very good question. <laughs> so, I was in the jungle recently and I, um, I felt that as part of that process that I was going to experience sooner or later uh, a Yeros Gamos. Uh, a divine marriage of my masculine and feminine. Before I even continued, I had a nice talk with my masculine side and said, in order to make this happen in meaningful ways, you're going to stop... Gonna do your best to stop and try to understand the feminine side. It doesn't work this way. So it's the feminine is more about embracing it instead of trying to understand it. Um. so I I feel like I've journeyed through this trying to heal like, a little louder I've, I feel like I've journeyed through trying to heal my wounded feminine and you know I'm doing the best that I can yes and I'm raising a son um, who's very young and I'm primarily his um, caretaker and so I I guess I wonder how how I can show him, you know, the the equal sides. You know, his, his, his father, father's you know got some wounds. You know, and how how do um, how to how to damage control? I guess I don't know. You know. Okay. Like, very good. Thank you for asking. See, most people who've been engaging with healing and spirituality they're still trying to fix themselves. Like those wounds are horrible horrible things to be let go as soon as possible we can't help it. We fall into that trap. It's, it's about self-rejection. My viewpoint is that actually all of our wounds, even the worst ones, even the most painful ones, actually carry within themselves the seeds of our very own liberation so to answer your question what can I do since we teach each other not by what comes out of our mouth but simply by who we are is to continue your own healing process And to let go of any uh, limiting ideas in regards to the father of your child. And like, you know, like he he needs to get his shit together for the child's sake. Whenever we bring into the equation the welfare of our children... What we're doing is we're being cowards. We're hiding against my children. No. It's your lot. Your lot. And the more you're capable of healing, of letting go, of forgiving, of forgiving yourself, you know, that creates a space around you for others to do the same spontaneously not holding an agenda oh i'm going to heal myself so that others can heal themselves that's that's an agenda it carries this judgment around our wounds our wounds our emotions our thoughts our bodies they're all equally holy. We may fail to see and embrace that holiness, but it's there waiting for us. See? Oh, for, for a long time. Speak loud. Okay. For a long time, there have been like patterns put into motherhood and i think the wound inside women just uh, judging each other and also men judging the way we should be or not be mothers you know and that is something that i think it's a wound in ourselves as, as women to be just containers of life or maybe to choose not to but for that you're seen as something what could you tell us about this process of realizing that we're not holders of life inside, but outside as well, and just to how to be mothers, because there's a lot of confusion in what is to be yeah. givers of life. Yeah, you know, basically because we make all this up so it's, it's for us to to create our own dance and dance to it. Um, It's very challenging for mothers nowadays. There are so many single mothers in this world. You know, we're playing out big time the story of the abandoned woman the abandoned wife, the abandoned mother. And, you know, women, you know, that, that life-giving, life-nurturing energy is not something that you need to search very deep to connect with, because it's actually in every cell of your body. But many women, single mothers, have had unfortunately to become not only the mothers of their children, but the fathers as well. So a hard, you know, calculating finances uh, and doing our best to instill some kind of uh, respect for authority that with a missing father figure is truly challenging to do. So, you know, the, the most important step in our growth, is to become aware, to become aware of how we function, to become lovingly aware of how oftentimes we, uh, for the sake of survival or you know, uh, running the show, uh, oftentimes we uh, neglect, we reject our soft, vulnerable, feminine side. We are still looking for someone outside ourselves to provide that support so that we can soften up again. Uh, You know, it's not taking us very far. And the males who are truly ready and willing to offer that space are very few, and usually they're already taken. Mm-hmm. Haven't you noticed? <laughs> yeah. You know, I should have started looking for that man, you know, in second grade. <laughs> um, so it's about it's about being aware of our own rejection, of the ways in which we become more like men and give ourselves, as often as possible, as lovingly as possible, uh, a space for ourselves to be that soft, to not take care of anybody for a couple of hours, to have a date with ourselves and to connect with our feminine needs and desires. Yeah? Mm -hmm. One more question. I'm thinking about the... Louder... Thinking about the part when you say that uh, the male won't understand, and that's not the um, purpose either. Yeah. uh, Like when you said that you can't turn a strawberry into banana. Yeah. But if the male he uh, heal their feminine wounds and won't they be able to understand them? Repeated that last sentence? Won't they be able to understand if they heal their feminine wound? As if you know, this is... Uh, masculinity? This is about letting go of expectations. And doing our own work. And letting go of this expectation that everybody else around us do the same you know that's cute you know but I've I've waited lifetimes lifetimes before actually uh, facing some important soul wounds and you can trust that it ain't all gonna happen in this lifetime but the more, the more we let go of expectations of others, like they're supposed to act a certain way, the less of an agenda we have for people around us, for the men around us, the more we give them the space to start actually being themselves. Men have so much expectations and internalized expectations that, you know, they're they're often crushed by those expectations. So, you know, you do your thing. It's plenty. It's plenty. When you do your homework you don't really care about what anybody else is doing. Truly. Because in that, finally, all of this woundedness, yada yada, this pain, is seen in its truthful light. Not as something awful that needs fixing That needs transmuting, that needs changing. That's a sign that we're still resisting those wounds. When we do our job, at the end, there is only gratitude. Deeply felt gratitude. And deeply felt gratitude for this stage that we have chosen in this lifetime instead of resenting it, instead of wanting to change it. So, I want to thank each and every one of you for being here this afternoon. Thank you for your loving attention and know that despite the challenges, we live in the best times possibly. Possibly. Times of full, full potential. So, don't stress about it. Actually, enjoy it as much as possible. Thank you.